Amen. Would you please be seated and join us in God's word this morning. If you have a Bible, I want to encourage you to open it up. If you don't have one, we have them. We'd love to give you one as a gift. Let us know before you leave here. If you're at home, we'll drop it off at your house. Um, But I want you to have it in front of you. If you have the Bible app, you can open it up that way too. Our reading today is going to be from the book of Hebrews. It's toward the end of the Bible, the end of the New Testament. And we're going to be in chapter 13, beginning at verse 9. Again, Hebrews 13. 13, beginning at verse 9. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do so. For we have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore, for we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God. You are what you eat. Ever heard that phrase? You are what you eat. Now, now if that were literally true, then I would have sausage and pepperoni growing out of my ears. I said that at the first service, and, and Robert Thomas, who's our sound guy this morning, told me he works at a pizza place in, in East Troy that I'll be having to check out this weekend. Um, let's use that as an opportunity, though. We've got Rob and Pammy. Um, with so many people joining us from home, they are making that possible. So let's praise God for their gifts. You can't see them, but you can see what we're doing here because of them. So we thank you. Now, we know that when we use the phrase, you are what you eat, it's not literally true. And at the same time, it kind of is, right? Like the quality of our life is impacted by our food, by what we eat. There's a direct correlation between the amount of pizza I eat and the number that shows up on the scale when I stand on it, right? Like, there is a connection. And beyond that, right, food impacts our energy level, our mood, our our quality of life. You are what you eat is true. And what we're going to learn today is that it's also on some level biblical. Today's the, the third week of our series, 30 Days of Gratitude. And we started it back on November 1st. How many of you feel like November 1st was like, like eons ago? Just show of hands, right? It was only 15 days ago. We're like only halfway through this. And what I challenged us to do back then was to spend the next 30 days being thankful, focusing on what it is that we're grateful for. And I feel like it was almost like every time I set out to do some kind of a new exercise routine or I set out on a new diet, suddenly I've got all kinds of excuses that are pulling me away. 
Suddenly I see all the things in my house that need to be fixed instead of going to the gym. Or I get invited to birthday parties with lots of delicious cake and pizza. I feel like that's what happened to us. We we said we were going to be grateful on November 1st, and then within the first two weeks we had a terribly divided election. COVID numbers are through the roof, and the weather went from this crazy 70s in November to a tornado this week. Like, what's happening right now, right? It's almost like everything around us is giving us excuses to let go of our commitment to be thankful. Maybe we should just skip this now and we'll resume this series in 2021. Does that sound good? Let's just, let's just do that, right? Let's do that. You know what? I'll exercise next year more too and that's when I'll stop eating more pizza. Here's the problem. We know that we won't be any better next year than we are this year, right? We know that we won't and... And the reason we started this was because we know that the healthy habits that we develop today might very well be the thing we need in order to get through the difficult season that we're in right now. That's why we're doing it. It's not to ignore the harsh realities around us, but it's looking for hope and gratitude because what we're going to learn is that God actually wires us that way. That's how we're wired to live, especially during difficult times. And so let's, let's get to another layer of that that we read in our scripture reading today. Today is, is from the book of Hebrews. And I started this chapter last week by sharing that this is written to the, the persecuted Christians, Hebrew Christians. They're being persecuted and imprisoned for their faith. And I want to be careful how I make the connection, but I do think there's some ways that we can relate to what it is that they're going through. The year 2020, kind of like a prison, has divided us. It's separated us. And sometimes physically in church and other places and whatever the circumstances might be, they have the ability to have an impact on our faith. And we get tired and we get worn out. And I asked this last week, and I'll ask it this week, and if you're at home, you can make a comment to let us know how many people here walked into the church this morning and are tired of life. Some of you got a good night's sleep. You're like, it's the 1030 service, Tom. I slept in. Ask me at 745, right? A lot of us are tired. And here's the problem. This is what happens when we get tired, physically, spiritually, whatever. We have this tendency to turn to unhealthy things, to comfort food, to a diet that is not good for our souls. And that's what's happening in our reading today. So let's look at it again. Hebrews 13, verse 9. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do so. See, I told you, you are what you eat. And that's what we're learning here. And what we learn here is that there are two items on the menu for the Hebrew Christians who are tired and who are stressed and who are separated and who are broken. They've got ceremonial foods or a big bowl of God's abundant grace. 
And we know a little bit about grace, and so let's start out with something we might not be so familiar with. Let's talk about the ceremonial foods. For generations, the Jewish people followed a set of religious rituals and festivals, like the Day of Atonement, the Passover, and they would pilgrimage to the place where God dwells, the, the temple of God, and they would make sacrifices to him, and they would make these through the priests for things like forgiveness and God's protection or just to thank God for his many blessings. And this was the rhythm of their life. And it was the rhythm for generations. And it was familiar. And it was comfortable. But then Jesus came. And when Jesus came, he said he was going to do two things that were unique to the Jewish people. And, 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 and the effects of it would have effects for everyone. We all would benefit. The first thing is that he was going to fulfill all the rituals. So we don't have to do that anymore. And the second thing that he was going to do is he was going to build a new temple, a better temple with his presence with all people. God is now with you and with me. And that happened on the cross. That's what Jesus came to do. And his sacrifice ended all the sacrifices that ever had to be made. The reason is because he was the sacrifice and he opened that up to all of his followers wherever they went. But here's the problem. Old habits die hard. And humanity has this sinful tendency of crawling back to lesser things that don't really meet our deeper needs. And that's what was going on to the people, the Hebrew Christians. And we can relate to this. Like, just think about this. Like, over the last nine months, right, over the last year, what have you turned to to find comfort and peace? What, what nasty old habits have you turned back to that maybe you kicked for a while or maybe you weren't focused as much on them and then life got hard and you turned to them in a deeper way? Is there an unhealthy habit? Maybe, maybe you're drinking more. Maybe you're vegging out on TV. Maybe you're eating too much bad food. Maybe you're doom scrolling through social media or whatever your favorite news source is. And, and just full disclosure, I'll, I'll admit one of mine, just one of mine. I've got several. One of mine is, is comfort food. I love food that is terrible for you, <laughs> especially when, it is when, I'm, when I'm stressed and tired and hungry. And I, I learned something this past week that I would say is, is kind of a workplace hazard. Um, I think it was you, Steve, Steve Quist, he's sitting here. Um, you shared with me that our high school youth group has this, um, this stash in the kitchen of Little Debbie brownies. And, and what Steve didn't know is that I love Little Debbie brownies. And when I was in college, I could eat an entire box of Little Debbie brownies. My cardiologist says that's not a good idea. And so I haven't had a Little Debbie brownie for years, but Steve told me there's Little Debbie brownies here at the church. And so I think that was Tuesday, wasn't it, Steve? And so I was here at church on Wednesday, and, and I was tired, and I was hungry, and I was thinking about those little Debbie brownies. And so I went into the kitchen and I found that Steve is not a liar. There are little Debbie brownies here at the church in the church kitchen. And I opened up the box and I didn't eat just one little Debbie brownie. I had two little Debbie brownies. And guess what? They're delicious. <laughs> they were everything I remembered them to be. They were so good. I have a little more self-control. I only ate two. And within an hour, I was hungry and my stomach hurt and I felt guilty. <laughs> I am the pastor of the church, and I'm stealing Little Debbie Brownies from the high school youth group. Like, that's a new low. <laughs> 
And so I went home and I rectified the situation by eating a big bowl of vegetable soup. I thought that might make everything feel better. See, I knew better. I knew that this wouldn't be good for me. I knew that I was tired. I knew that I was hungry. But I turned to something that would bring me comfort, or so I thought. Now, now eating a few brownies, not the end of the world. But when it comes to our faith, what we consume matters. It has an effect on how we feel. It impacts our mood. It impacts the quality of our walk with Jesus. And these Hebrew Christians... We're being told that they need to go find comfort in something old, in something that never fully fulfilled them when now they have a greater meal. It's called God's grace. And you are what you eat. And so what we learn is that if you keep going back to those things, if they keep going back to the sacrifices, trying to earn what they need, what they're going to find is that they are never going to be fulfilled. God's grace fulfills everything. And we see this in so many places. The Apostle Paul, he prayed to God. He was in in impossible circumstances. He had this thorn in his side. We don't know what it was. He asked God to take it away. And God answered him. In 2 Corinthians 12, he said, My, say it with me, grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul learned this through his struggles. And then he imposed it on others, like young Timothy, 2 Timothy 2.1. He said, you then, my son, be strong in the, say it with me, grace that is in Christ Jesus. And I think about this. And doesn't our world desperately need more grace in its diet? (laughs) I mean, don't we need to share that more with the people around us? Don't we need to share grace with those who think differently from us? Don't we need to feast on God's grace in greater ways? Grace that says that it's going to be okay. Grace that says that we have everything we need if we turn ourselves back to God. Grace that reminds us that the life that we live is by God's grace. That you don't have the ability. When you woke up this morning, it's by God's grace that you got out of bed. You didn't reach your hand into your chest and pump your heart. God's grace did that. God's grace created an environment with oxygen that would feed your lungs and give you the day that you're living right now. It is God's grace. Every breath is by God's grace. And if that's true, then we know that even God's timing is by his grace. Look at 2 Peter 3.9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. Some of us feel like things are going really slow right now. But instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And when I see the word repentance, you know what word I think of? I think of grace. I think of grace because what repentance is, is turning away from the things that we used to turn to and turning back to God. And the reason that I think of repentance as grace is because of what Jesus did. You can repent and know that you will be forgiven. You can know that when you fall, God is going to be there to pick you up. That when you look back, 
on the less than proud moments where you've turned to things that do not satisfy you over this difficult season, like stealing fudge brownies from the church youth group. You can look back and be reminded of Ephesians 2 where Paul says, because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ because even when we were dead in transgressions, even when we were turning to these things, even when we were making these mistakes, it is by, say it with me, grace that you have been saved. And we need to hear this message. And we need to hear this message over and over and over again because it's still easy to turn to all the things that we strive to turn away from, right? Like when I decided to stop eating Little Debbie um, brownies, they didn't decide to stop making them, right? When somebody decides to stop drinking so much, the liquor store doesn't shut down. Uh, back in, in, in this time, and when, the, when the book of Hebrews was written, I was reading uh, the Roman Jewish historian Josephus, and it was, it was the year 66 A.D., uh, it was when the temple was completed, when they had rebuilt it. And it was right around the same year that these words were written in Hebrews 13. And it was like 30 years or so after Jesus died on the cross, rose from the grave, became the sacrifice to end all sacrifices, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He did it. It was done. It was finished. And it's the year 66 AD. And do you know how many lambs were sacrificed for the Passover in the temple that year? You know how many lambs? 255,600 lambs. When 30 years ago, it was done. It was over. It didn't matter. It was like, it was like 255,000 people had their mortgage paid in full 30 years ago, but they just keep making the payments. They just keep making the payments every single month. Hebrews 2.17, For this reason Jesus had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, that he might make atonement for the sins of his people. Jesus died to be the sacrifice to end all sacrifices. And it's by God's grace it's not something we consume. It's not something we buy. It's not something we earn. It's not something we achieve, which is why Hebrews 13.10, we read, we have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. Remember, this temple is still going at this point. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Now, if you don't, you don't, aren't familiar with Old Testament sacrifices. Many of us aren't. If you go back to the book of Leviticus, you'll read the instructions for how these sacrifices work. And, and in this day, if you were to make a sacrifice for your sin, what they would do is they would take the discarded body parts of the animal and they would take it out of the city and they would burn it. And the reason they would burn it is because that was a sin offering. And so it symbolized that your sin is now contained within the body of that animal sacrifice. It can't be in the presence of God. It can't be in the temple. It can't be in the city. And so they send it out and they burn it. They send it out and they burn it. But when Jesus came, there was a choice that God made in that moment. 
Because when he faced us, we had to face the reality that there is no animal sacrifice that could fully cleanse us from our sin and our guilt and our shame. And so Jesus had two options. He could send our flesh out of the city. He could send our flesh out of the presence of God. He could send us out to be destroyed. But he did not choose to do that. He looked at you and he looked at me and he said, give me your sin. And he took your sin and he took my sin and he took it upon his flesh and he left the city and he allowed his body to be destroyed for us as an atonement for our sin, so that, Hebrews 13, 13, that we can let us then go outside the camp and we can bear the disgrace that he bore. For we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Here's the bottom line of what this means. What this means is that the deepest needs that we need to be met are met by God's grace. And because those needs are met by God's grace, we are called to live in God's grace. And what that means is that when you have hunger pains, that when you're facing trials in life, they are no longer a reminder to you and me of what we're lacking, but they are a sweet reminder to us that in this world, on this side of heaven, we are not yet home. But there is a city that we are going to. There is a place that Jesus has promised to go and prepare a way for us to be there. We are heading to it, and it's described in the book of Revelation. I read this passage at every graveside service that I do, every funeral service. Revelation 7 describes it this way. Never again in this city will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat on them, nor any scorching heat, for the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. That is the future, and it's coming. And it's assured to you by God's grace, putting our hope and trust in Jesus. And because that's true, that hope is already here. Because Jesus didn't just make the atoning sacrifice for our sins, but he built a new temple through his body and through his blood, sacrifice to be the sacrifice to end all sacrifices so that we would no longer have to come to him because he has come to dwell with us. And he's with us now. And if that's true, and if we're going to be with him for the rest of eternity, then why would we turn to the little Debbie Brownies to fulfill what only God can fulfill. (laughs) All that's left for us now, if we believe that to be true, is what's to come in verse 15 and 16. Look at this, Hebrews 13. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name, and do not forget to do good and to share with others For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Because of Jesus, there's only one sacrifice left to give. It's the sacrifice of praise and to be thankful. And then to go out of the city and share that with others. So let's pray for that right now. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your grace. And we repent of all of the moments when we turn to things that are lesser than you to bring us comfort and hope that only you can bring. 
We also know that you extend to us your grace because we've turned to these things for our entire lives and and the whole world around us seems to be constantly pulling us back to them over and over and over again. And so God, when we're not satisfied in those moments that we've turned to things that cause more harm and destruction than good, may those be moments that we are reminded of your grace that we come before you in repentance knowing that you will forgive us of our sins and that you will guide us to green pastures. And Lord, help us to take that love and that grace and that forgiveness that you've afforded us on the cross and help that to be our way of life as we leave the city, as we interact with others. God, may we not have a spirit of being entitled, but may every encounter that someone has with us be a reminder to them that we walk this earth by your grace. And one of the greatest ways that we can live that way is by being thankful, by thanking you for every blessing, for every day that we live for every gift that we've received, for every breath that we breathe, God, it is your grace that has given it to us. And so we pray that we might use it for your glory. It is in Jesus' name.